Want to help keep the lights on in Anarchy Basement? Then go to PRLfans.com. There you can find links to Patreon, PayPal, our Bitcoin info, and other ways to help support the podcast. Now, enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast, episode 466. I am Otto, and today I'm joined with Jared. Hey, what's up, guys? And uh, there's a, the no state solution, James Babb. Great to be here. And uh, we also really excited about this special guest, Andrew Thorpe King, the author of Failure Rules, the five rules of failure for entrepreneurs, creatives, and authentics. There he is right there. How's it going? Sounds yeah. perfect for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And the founder of Thorpe Records. So we have some really experience with failure ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Love what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, I messaged you several times and I'm glad you uh, responded at some point and happy to be here and chat it up. Yeah, man. I, I totally feel so bad. I, I, I'll take the blame for that. I dropped the ball. So we're going to tell you guys a little bit of the background. Like he's been messaging me for a while now. And I just, I don't know if it was you, Jared, someone else was checking the messages and then every single time I'd see it, I'd be like, oh, I meant to respond, but like ADD out and I just never got a chance. And I was like, you know what? Like, I got to like, I got to sit down, write it, put it on the calendar. And we made it happen. So, but I'm glad we were able to do it. Sorry about that. My bad. No worries at all. If it helps so many podcasts, it takes three or four kind of, you know, uh, reaching out before you actually get everything uh, scheduled. So it's, it's pretty normal. Yeah, man, we weren't, we weren't big timing you. Trust me. That was, <laughs> that's not. We we are no we're in no position to be big timing anybody, but especially someone of your ilk. So appreciate you coming on. But uh, yeah, so I see the book that uh, you were just holding up. Yeah, man. So, uh, I, I so I'm I'm excited to talk to you because like I've I've uh, personally myself like I found Thorpe Records. I think a long time. I don't know. I was, I was just going through over in my head the past few weeks. I'm like, when did I first hear about like Thorpe Records? Like I remember back in the day. I remember uh, I know Breakdown. Just from like, like breakdown was on there. I remember. Um, I think, and I was going back, and I, of course, I, I figured we should talk about it. But yeah. uh, the Northside Kings. I oh, think it yeah. was my boy Danny. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it was when is when he knocked out Glenn Danzig, was yep. when, of the Misfits. And so, uh, I, I yeah. if anyone is listening and doesn't know, Jared, I don't know if you want to play the video real quick. I just this is a classic <laughs> video. I think we played it before, but uh, it's on there. And I think this is how I got acclimated to your record label i became a big fan i don't know which came first but uh yeah here's the <laughs> here's the clip of it <laughs> so they were what were they okay, arguing about, about in a stack, but here we'll keep playing a little bit because there's a one okay. there's one clip it's the best part so just keep playing so glenn danzig's now knocked out on the ground and this is my favorite part so they're coming right off <laughs> there we go the north side kings are undefeated so uh i just I, you can stop playing it now but um Essentially, that was a 
it was big. I mean, that blew up. That's got like four million views, and that happened oh, like yeah. two thousand four. Yeah. And uh, so I guess they were doing a. They were going to record a set for the Northside Kings. They were going to record a set for Thorpe Records. Is that is that how the story goes? Nah. So they uh, the record was coming out that week, uh, or was it organized in our neighborhood? Uh, yeah, yeah. Which was on Thorpe Records. I think that was the third full length we put out for them. It was self titled, a family affair, then organized in our neighborhood. At the time, I was running labels part time in the evening. Well, it was only Thorpe then. I didn't start Sailor's Grave Records yet. Yeah. And um, I was working at Lumberjack Distribution during the day. I was like one of the top sales guys. And uh, I remember when I, you know, got the link and saw that that hit. Danny called me. He was telling me the story. Next thing you know, like all these different people are calling me. Like Dave Stein, who's like the classic New York hardcore lawyer. Like uh, roadies for Slayer were telling me that Slayer was backstage watching over and over and over again, cracking up about it, you know. <laughs> and uh, the story was, I mean, they went to this bumfuck town in Arizona. I forget what town it was. But they'd driven like six hours to go open up for dancing. They were excited about it. Like they didn't hate dancing. You know, they were into them. Like they were, it was like an honor to them, right? Right. And, they get there, and I guess dancing was, you know, kind of big time in everybody and wanted to play early and wanted to play before them, right? And so he did, and they were like, okay, fine, as long as we still get to play. But then after he played, the venue and the promoters were starting to shut down. They were like, no, no more bands are playing. And they'd just driven six hours, you know, to go to the show. And so Danny was a little pissed. So he went over to Glenn to see if Glenn could help and, like, lubricate the situation and try to get them get them to play. And as you see in the video, he just gave him instant attitude, and Danny wasn't having it. His Jersey Italian side came out. Uh, and boom, he put his full, you know, uh, grizzly bear weight into him and bam, knocked him on his ass. And, and that was the end of it. But the, the dancing swung first, though, it looked like, right? Well, well, he pushed well, him, man. He pushed him. Huh? And then yeah, he, he pushed him. Yeah. yeah, he pushed him. He laid hands. He laid hands. He laid hands. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that was, yeah, instant grounds for, yeah, for stuff like that to go down, you know. But I remember yeah. then I was a teenager at the time. I was only maybe 15, 16 like years old. And I just that was like before social media and stuff like that. And that was like the hot thing on the message boards. Like, oh my God, you gotta check out this video. It was great. And I think that might have been a little bit before. I don't even know. Cause uh Madball's NYC or yeah, NYHC uh EP came out, and like that was a big thing. And I remember like bands like Clench Fist and Out to Win. And I'm like, holy shit, they're all on this, they're all on this one record label, you know. And I remember being so ecstatic and um I, and so it comes to find out you know like there was like this one record label and i i've been a fan ever since and uh as the years went past i never knew what happened uh anything but apparently like there was you know you had like that's kind of like where you you know i can't oh, oh no no. Was, no oh no he dropped out all right, well, his internet was I, getting I, a little spotty there for a second. It's getting a little spotty. Hopefully, you can jump back in. Uh, Andrew just left Shit. us for you guys listening, but uh, but you know who is here is Nikki P, who's on mute because he's rattling up a stone over there with his <laughs> microphone. But he's Seriously? on mute. Seriously, it was you were you sound fine you were, now, now you're, you're good. while he was you're talking. Good. You were just like boom, 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 boom. Oh, <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> I'm not doing anything, I'm just sitting here. No, <laughs> you're good now. You're good now. But uh, yeah, so he was um, so like I was like six year old kid. So like, of course, I'm going through like back in the day uh, when you were when you were um, like before social media and everything, find out like new bands and stuff. Well, I know what I did was you'd always go to like uh, the band's Web page and then there was always like a link of like the friends like they would always have like a link of like other bands that you would go to. And yeah. um, 
and like on so MySpace. You can find links to that. Yeah, no, just just like their websites. <laughs> it was just their websites. You're so yeah. young. MySpace. This was like before was I was their on MySpace. AOL, You'd find their AOL page via CompuServe, and uh, <laughs> AOL keyword Danzig. See, back right. in my day, we used to have to go to shows and buy a compilation album that was going to have thirty bands that sucked, yep. but maybe two good ones on it. Exactly. So there was that, which which Thorpe Records had. Thorpe Records had this uh, working class music or something, or hardworking music, I think it was called, and. Um, and then also you'd go to like whoever the record labels on you just find like whatever 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 like album cover looked cool you just check it out and i'm sure it was pretty good and that's how i found mm. out about a lot of these bands because just from going to thorpe records and it was weird because I, I really have an affinity for this record label which is not like the big in the scene like a hardcore and punk it's not like the biggest but they have some really awesome bands but one of the bands that they had on there is like a lasting for me is one like i absolutely love this band called ragmen and uh, they were a side project from this band called Marauder. And it's one of my favorite albums to this day. Oh, Andrew's back. All right, cool. cool. Sorry about that. Fucking connectivity issues. Been happening all day. Ah, uh, man. Don't, it happens to me that apparently all, all the time. I've been so, <laughs> so no worries. But I was just, I was just you, telling you everyone like complain, how. I complained to the NSA to give you some of your bandwidth back. You know, like I understand they've got a lot of things to download from my computer, all the photos, all my browser history, my emails, all that. But allow a little bit just left for me. That's all I ask. You know, give me a little piece of the pie. Right. Yeah. Just let me let let me check my email. You know, or do a stupid <laughs> podcast or something. You know, right. like with the un, uninterrupted. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just telling them how like I came to find Thorpe Records just because, you know, you go to bands, you find out like pages that they, you know, like their friends are on, like they'll have bands yeah. and stuff. And you, you find out uh, was the compilation, but it was hardworking music, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Or... Volume 1 and Volume 2. The one was, uh, Volume 2 was in Hot Topic. It was one of those counter. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Ones, like 10,000 of them. It was, that was a blast. Yeah. And it was like, F I remember getting it at like, this, like FYE at the mall, mm -hmm. like when I was a teenager, just being a mall rat, just going around. I saw yeah. it. I was like, oh, sweet. I picked it right up. You know, yeah. it was a pretty cool time, man. And I was just saying, like, I found Ragmen was one of my, like, that album, that self titled album they put out, like, you know, on Thorpe Records was like, it's still to this day, it's like one of my favorites. I listen to it all the time. And, that actually uh, wasn't Thorpe. That was uh, Eulogy. That was a Eulogy release. That was Eulogy? It was around was the same Thorpe. time that I was releasing Northside Kings and Blood for Blood and oh, Mad Man and all that stuff. So it was around the same era because I worked for Lumberjack Distribution. And I was friends with John from Eulogy. And I had just signed Madball, and then he signed oh. Ragman right afterwards. That we had the same. Man, oh record. man, I can't believe I I botched that man. We That's like, so, I'm sorry. And I was helping sell Ragman to all the stores and pumping it up, you know. But that was a great record. Yeah. Just fucking yeah. auto trying to like show off his like mad cred. I know my street cred is, is just dropping Back a little bus. bit. Back no, but every time I could have swore. Oh man, oh, I feel stupid. But all right, well, in the in, in the vicinity for sure. But I remember like Ironbound NYC. I love that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rocking rocked. Uh, you know, so like that's how I got to know the record label, you know, just, I was just picking up everything I could from a lot of these bands that were on there, but you know, you stop putting stuff out and I just never heard from it again. And, and, you know, that's kind of like, I was reading some of the stuff you were putting out, listening to some of your podcasts you're talking about. And that's kind of like where your story, you know, it seems to really evolve from that point, you know, with a lot of stuff. Were, so I don't know if you want to tell everyone a little bit about that. Yeah. So actually there was, I, I stopped putting stuff out with Thorpe and then I think the last was 2009. I put out a batch of records like five. 
But Sailor's Grave, my other label that I started in 2006, has kind of been more consistently active, which is mm-hmm. that's more like Billy Oi, you know, street punk stuff like that, like U.S. Bombs record, did like Roger Brent the Disasters, Madsen, yep. Coffin Cat, Skings and Nothing, Creep Show. More recently, like Flatfoot 56 uh, and uh, Goddamn Gallows, bands like that. And did the business, the old Oi band, Mickey Fitz, God rest his soul. But yeah, so um, what's that? So I love the Creep Show. Do you? Yeah, they're good band. Their bass player responded to him an email I sent him once. He did what? He responded to an email I sent him once. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, they're, they're good, good people, good band, uh, great live band. Yeah, so, yeah, the story for Failure Rules, I mean, obviously Thorpe Records and my entire, you know, endeavoring to the music industry, whether it's through that, whether it was working at Relapse Records or Lumberjack Distribution or starting Sailor's Grave, that's obviously very core to, to the story, um, for sure. But yeah, I would say the origin point for the actual book wasn't necessarily tied directly to the record labels, but uh, that was part of it. So it was like uh, end of 2013, I was uh, like 39 on the precipice of turning 40, had just gone through like this business divorce with uh, a partner in the online lending business that I had, and it really kind of uprooted my financial structure. Uh, And so there's a bit of chaos in my life. Uh, And at the same time, I knew that I was on the precipice of a marital divorce. And so it was that kind of like volatility emotionally happening too and i was taking this beach walk and i was listening to this playlist i had like motorhead ace of spades came on and like chromags hard times never even thinking at the time he john joseph would end up writing the forward to the book 10 years later yeah i saw that that's awesome oh no Oh, I thought that was me. I thought i was like oh man did you see my head go down i was like oh we wish it was you otto I know. Dude, the internet is a bitch. I fucking hate it, man. All right. Connectivity issues. We need to get back in the basement. Get Andrew in the basement. Yeah. (laughs) Where's Andrew located? I don't don't know. know. I as a matter of fact, I wanted to also talk about I saw he was uh he was smoking one of his stogies on the front porch and uh a town, you know, so the town I go to in New Jersey, a vacation is called Stone Harbor. And then like mm. one, like literally the next town up is called Avalon. And that's where he was vacationing mm. just like last week. And I wanted to talk to him about his Jersey connections and stuff. What's our but, policy uh, about smoke smoking on the podcast? Um, That's good with me. Smoking what? Anything. <laughs> I think he was I looked like he was smoking tobacco, which is, you know, that was a I mean, a lot of kids watch the show. Well, a lot of kids watch the show. I don't want to, oh, you know, I don't want to. I want to be. A, I want to be a good role model for the kids. They just know? think you're old and weird. It's not yeah, a vape. Man. What? What's he doing? I don't understand. Damn, I was getting real into that convo. I know. I know. I it's, wanted it's, to know what was the. I don't want to. You know. Like, I don't want to like say anything because i know kind of like a lot of the story because i listened to a few of his podcasts and stuff and I've, I've yet to check out his book but i did see john joseph of the Cromax who follows us on punk rock libertarians on instagram we always you know he always like him and comment on each other's statuses because he's pretty fucking awesome and uh i want to know if he gets confused for like being a biographer for failure <laughs> you know they've been on the rise the past couple years you know maybe people are yeah. Wanted to know about the early stuff, and now they're looking at his book, thinking, and then they're going to be disappointed when it's just not that. Well, I think it's his story is pretty cool, and like it, it's it's uh something I really want to talk about. So hopefully he can make it. Oh, hey, here he is. I think that's them. I heard a little bloop. Maybe we're trying a different device now. 
Yep. Yeah. Oh, fuck it. He's All back. Right, cool. Going off Wi-Fi. Sorry about awesome. that, fellas. No, no man, no problem. problem. Yeah. Like I said, dude, for a second, I thought it was me. So like my head just dropped. I was like, man, I really wanted to hear what he was saying. Like, <laughs> turns out nobody heard what he was saying. <laughs> usually it's me. I'm the guy whose internet always goes out. I have terrible service where I'm at. It stands to reason I come in to talk about the value of failure and, uh, and, my, <laughs> and, your, and your internet fails. <laughs> what's, what's next? My house get hit by a fucking tornado? Actually, well, you tell us, yeah, so, you want to tell us about the book? Yeah. So, like I was saying, uh, the, the, the genesis of the book was on that beach walk, right? And essentially, like, thinking about all the things I had tried entrepreneurially, creatively for the past 20 years, uh, everything from owning a fitness center to online lending companies and um, – other things in the finance world, financial planning and lead generation companies, the two record labels, writing a spy novel, doing bodybuilding competitions, blah, 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 and then and, and all kinds of stuff. And like all the different kind of like roadblocks, challenges, failures, problems, uh, crazy stuff that occurred to me. I mean, top of my head, just, you know, uh, going through a bankruptcy, multiple business failures, like, you know, relationship issues. Uh, almost losing my home, getting investigated by the feds, being sued by three multi-millionaires at once, all kinds of crazy stuff. You would think I would just stop and I wouldn't have this fire in me. But I did. I had this like lion heart in me. And I thought of the Winston Churchill quote that success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And it was like that enthusiasm was like the, the endorphin of the spirit that kept me going through the pain. Like I still had this like lust for life, this lion heart to go after things. And it was partly because of like, the, you know the punk rock spirit the hardcore spirit uh and just like the 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 the, the spirit to want to overcome to want to go after adventure to want to like go after difficult unorthodox, unorthodox paths and that aligned with, for me with kind of like my libertarian spirit too you know which is kind of like the diy like i want to do things on my own i'm going to try to make my own way even if it's more difficult i want to be my authentic self in the world and it was like i thought about all the different kind of like philosophical uh, or, or uh, you know, musical or other virtual kind of inputs that really bolstered me through all these times. And uh, I decided that I, I was convicted to write a book on the value of failure and kind of chronicle my story layered in with what I thought might be lessons that I learned and uh, some of the, the people that I felt I learned them from and their stories as well. And so that was the genesis of the book. So real quick, I have to stop you because you mentioned this punk rock hardcore spirit and I've come to the conclusion over the past, I'll say 10 years that that's, that's all bullshit. It doesn't exist because why the fuck are all the punk rockers commies? <laughs> like I used to think it was like, Hey, we're going to do it ourselves. The DIY ethos, you know, get everybody out of the way. And yet they're just sitting there freaking jello be shelling for Hillary Clinton. Like uh, there's that, that, that doesn't exist. It's not a real thing, man. Well, it's a real thing if if you take what I think is should have been the true spirit that should have been adapted and practiced and and uh, put forth all along just hasn't been right. I mean, you're you're right. Like they go from smash the state to do what the state says, no matter what, as long as it's you know the side that aesthetically looks pleasing to me and uh, you know says the right words and has the right code speech, right? And mm-hmm. don't they, they don't want to question anything. Where to me, it was really more like question everything you know like uh, as much as we can push back against the scope creep of government as possible we will be more free and uh let's pursue maximum freedom coupled with maximum responsibility and uh you know to me that was the spirit right and even even like even generally like being more associated with like 
the New York hardcore scene. Like I just think about like the variety of ideologies and ideas that were able to cohabitate together. I mean, you had everything from like religious bands, you know, like like the Cro-Mags and 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 Shelter and or even like, you know, historically like Bad Brains, uh, you yeah. know, playing the stage with like debaucherous bands like Murphy's Law and Scarhead and being best friends and having completely like opposing ideologies and that was okay. Right. Or having like, uh, you know, I remember the story of like Bad Luck 13 Riot Extravaganza playing with floor punch, and, like hanging out with them afterwards. Yeah. Like, you know, like you think I think of that and like, like the, the tolerance for radical, like opposing radical ideas sharing stage, because the point mm-hmm. was not what you believe, but that this is a space where you can fucking believe whatever you want. And that's OK. And we're not going to hate you for it. We're not going to ostracize for you. This is this is the club. You know, this is the, the anti-club club, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's become, you know, this bastion of conformity. It's really just like the artistic wing of the fundamentalist wokest is really what it's come to be. Yeah, for real. And, and I know that. This, yeah, that is a pretty dope way to put it. <laughs> but like, another thing that. I, like, I noticed, I, like, really it was it was during the COVID times, you know, John Joseph, like he was really on the, he was on the edge of like, like saying, no, fuck this. Like yeah. this is, you know, like he was posting stuff and I, man, you, I could see, cause I could see every single time people would like, like there were certain bands and members of bands that would like his, that like their status, but they wouldn't really go hard. And I credit him for like saving the hardcore scene by having that show. He had a few years ago in Tompkins park. Oh yeah. Where, yep. Yeah, dude, he he I mean, he really, really put himself on the line, you know, Madball and, you know, and all those guys, they put themselves on the line to, to, to have a show and they got so much shit, but they just powered through it. They just said, fuck it. I'm just going to keep doing it and we're going to do this and we're going to have a show. And I think that's what made it OK for everyone else, all the promoters and other one who wanted to just, like, OK, it's time we can make this work. Yeah, no, he was definitely in the forefront. And I was heartened to see that like Madball or even like Wisdom and Chains who played that show who's really more traditionally, like I would view them as kind of leftist, right? Like yeah. a lot of things they say, and I love that band. They're great. One of my favorites, but again, tolerance to, you know, tolerance for all ideas, as long as you're not choosing, you know, forcing others to adhere to, to your ideas. Right. You know, in some sort of like, you know, tyrannical, like cultural police kind of way. And, um, but that was, that was definitely a great show of force for individuality, for, for Liberty, for uh, you know, for standing up against, you know, imposed thought, you know, uh, and John since then has just been consistently hammering it. And I don't agree with everything he says, but I'm so heartened to see that he's saying what he wants to fucking say every single day, you know, and then there's others like, um, what's his name, Shaka from uh, Orange 9mm, who's kind of in that vein. And then you have The Defiant, which is Dickie Barrett's new band with Pete Parada and Joey Briggs and jo- Johnny Rio. And so you have these strains that are kind of you know, rebelling against the faux rebellion that has become punk rock and kind of restoring the authentic rebellion that I think really mirrors the true spirit of punk rock. Oh, for sure. yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. For sure, man. Like that's, I, I mean, it was, it was so like, it's like almost cathartic. Like, like it was an out for us and like, it was almost taken away for good. And it was almost self-imposed takeaway. And it's like yeah. for them to just, to, so for them just to say, screw it. No, we're going to do this. It, it meant a lot. And, and like now, like I'm going to shows all the time here. Cause we're, uh, we're based mostly in Baltimore, but uh, oh, okay. um, yeah. So that, that's where me and Jared from and uh, Nikki's out there and he's out there in Ohio somewhere <laughs> and james where, where, where's that in ohio man <laughs> cleveland where okay. else is there uh, I, I, uh, 
Shame to say, I lived in Toledo for about seven years, but uh, you should be ashamed. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, maybe that's why I wrote a book on failure because I lived in. Toledo. I'm I'm not from Ohio natively. Like I'm a transplant from upstate New York, but okay. yeah, Toledo sucks. Yeah, I know. My daughter lives in Cincinnati now, and I visited there. That seems to be okay, but. So where are you at now? I'm a big fan of Les Nessman, so I can relate. <laughs> Les Nessman, there you go. I remember that. WKRP, baby. Yeah, no, I'm in the Philly area now. I've been in this area since 2009. So I lived okay, in cool. now when COVID oh, You're in Babs' neck of the woods. Yeah. James uh, James is in an undisclosed location in, out in Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, okay. Clearly suburbs. Yeah, I'm in Philly burbs here. Yeah, I'm in Delco, bro. Delco all the way. All right. Dirt till I die. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I was telling people when you were gone, I was like, yeah, man, I saw you were you were out in the beach, you know, out in the, the, the shore, down in the shore in, in Avalon. I was like, I'm always in Stone Harbor. And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Avalon. It was, it was a good time. Hanging out with the boys, getting into trouble. Yeah. Yeah, and then, because um, I, I know um, another guy I've really kind of connected with is uh, Russ from Underdog. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's uh, he, you know, he's always in Belmar. He's uh, like, a little bit further out, like, you know, a few hours north. And uh, he's been he's been on this whole thing. Like he's I mean, he's more of like a MAGA guy, you know, right, but, uh, right. but it was cool talking. I talked to him about, like you know, like all the time stuff. He's always sending us messages and everything. We kind of go back and forth. So I didn't know if you were if you were uh, up, you know, you were north. I never asked. So I was like, I didn't know if you were up or closer to, to you know, Philly area. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up going to Philly hardcore shows. First Unitarian Church and the Trocadero. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Like, I remember, like, you know, it was, like, late 90s. It was, like, H2O and VOD were playing the church, and that's when they really sort of blossom, blossoming, you know. And just that whole scene back then, it was it was, uh, it was was pretty pretty rad, particularly in the – Late scene. 90s? Yeah, late 90s. You yep. remember a band in Philly called E-Tribe back in the day? We used to do truck shows, late 90s, mid-90s. E-Tribe? Yeah, we used to do shows with, the like – Oh my God! We'd do shows with like the Goats or G Love and Special Sauce or. Well, I know uh, that. Yeah, I never heard each, but for sure, no. Yeah, we had a fun band with a DJ and a bunch of percussion and shit. We used to do shows at the Troc, and I lived I lived across the street at Ninth and Arch. Oh no! We could like yeah, so we'd like come like after the show, just have a party on our roof up there. Like that was a great spot. You remember uh, Sloan and uh, Beast and, and those guys, the uh, working at the truck. I, I never was involved with them directly. I was just, okay. you know, I was just a just a, a one of the drummers in the band. Yeah, gotcha. Very cool. So many things are coming together now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Kyber Pass. Yeah, the Kyber dude. I remember Middle East. Did you ever do shows at the Middle East? It was nineteen ninety four. And the mentors came to town <laughs> and they were playing at the Kyber Pass, El Duce. And uh, we went there to the hell to go see El Duce. And um, there was like six people there. And we were 20 at the time. And we, you know, we couldn't get in. It was a bar. And El Duce said, come on, I'll get you in. Next thing you know, like he's, you know, they're playing drums with dildos and they're doing their whole porn rock thing. And, <laughs> whole thing experience. And El Duce was trying to get me to smoke pot and I was straight edge at the time. I'm like, no. <laughs> who knew years later that he'd be accused of uh killing Kurt Cobain, you know, it was just wild times. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. Did I that's a new thing. I didn't hear that. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. And that no. was 
videos. And then they interviewed Duce about it. And uh, he, he pointed at Alan Wrench and said Alan Wrench did it. And after that came out, it, was, it wasn't long before he was found dead behind his house on the train tracks. Jesus. It was suspect. Uh, so all kinds of conspiracy floating around that. I don't know how we got off of this rabbit hole, but you mentioned the Kyber Pass. <laughs> it's what we do. We we always are. We always in this podcast, we're always going off in weird ass directions. You never know how you, you got, got there. The mentors are right. Yeah, and on the mentors, y'all know who they are. Yeah, I've, I've heard of them. I think it's. I mean, they're pretty Dude, classic. There, there was a was it Sally Jesse or Jerry Springer, notoriously. I was. I don't know one of those shows. I think it was Sally. There. Oh, <laughs> Sally. Sally. It was like a Cherry Springer type show called Wally, and he was on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was. Oh, damn, but dude, I'm gonna go for two for tonight. Offensive. He called. He called his his brand of music rape rock. It was the most offensive, disgusting, yeah. sexual, like porn, like misogynist, uh, homophobic. Sounds like, great. Horrible lyrics you could ever imagine. Yeah, who wouldn't love that? And I'm not. I'm not advocating any of that. But from a spectacle standpoint, <laughs> like it was funny back then when you're younger, and like it was. It was just a spectacle is all it was. You know what I mean? He lived well, it. It was real to him, but it was a spectacle, you know? One of my uh, favorite albums I ever downloaded was uh, Funeral Rapes, A Chainsaw and the Cunt. Which was uh, noise, noise core with like played samples of porn over top of <laughs> noise core, basically. Uh, songs were stuff like... Uh, I like I, I blew a load on Mother Teresa's grave, shit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a mentor for life. It was like more yeah, effort. That's, that effort. sounds so yeah, musical. All this crazy stuff. Like it was, you know, when you're when you're like in eighth grade and you first discover that, you you know, it's a. Uh, <laughs> it's always fun to one up your friends. Oh, you think you listen to heavy, bro? Check this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of my bands, Coffee Cats, actually did a song on like a Mentors tribute album once too. But uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh you my say God. Coffin Cats? Yeah, Coffin Cats. You know them? I do. Yeah, yeah. So they, I did two records for them on Sailor's Grave Records, and they did a song on a Mentors tribute album. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. Most of the bands that you named on the label, I'm a huge fan of. So. Oh, cool. Nice. What else? What I, else? I have no idea who you were, but I like the band. I- the man behind yeah, the plant, so we'll I guess. Get on the Zoom call and stay on the Zoom call, you know. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was more Thorpe, he's more a sailor, so right. Well, they're very different. I became more like obviously, like, I love it all, but uh, I really got into like more of the street punk and psychability oi and, and like the later years, which is why I formed that label. But still have a love for old hardcore, like a lot of new hardcore out now, too, like like End It and Mind Force and Buggin' and something. oh, yeah. Some other new shit that I, I like that band Ingrown. You guys listen to Ingrown? They're more metally, but no, nah, I don't check out Ingrown. But end it, you know. I know the, I know, I know the, uh, the drummer Chris. You know, I was oh, yeah. going to shows oh. with him for for a long time. Yeah, they played baseball good. with that guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You played baseball <laughs> with them. That's yeah. fucking funny. They just announced that um, disturbing the peace thing in Baltimore there with Biohazard H two O. Yeah, uh, I. Dude, I went to go buy a ticket for that, and I was like, "I'm going, man." It's like, why wouldn't I not go? It's like right up the street for me. But then, like, it's like for two tickets, it's two hundred and thirty-eight dollars, including oh, really? like fees. And I was like, "Uh, probably can't swing that right now. Mm-hmm. Probably gonna hold off on that one." And I was like, "I," because I, I went to the the first one they did last year, which was awesome. Like, it was you know trapped under ice and yeah, and uh, you know, uh, end it, play that too. It was, it was great, man. It was a great show, but. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can spring that. I mean, hopefully they do like the one day tickets and I'll yeah. probably try to go to that. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't decided if I'm definitely going or not, but I think I might head down. All right, man. If you're there, man, I'll let you know and I'll see if we can Very cool. meet up for something to smoke a cigar. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So you, I, I'm sorry. I like cut him off when he was in the middle of talking about his book. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yes, we do that. It all ties back. <laughs> I don't remember where I was at in that. In that, you book. were you were claiming your punk rock hardcore, you know, yeah. ethos. It was how you. Well, I like that you challenged me and cut me off because you obviously make a good and obvious point for anybody that's old enough to understand how the the zeitgeist has changed. But uh, yeah, but for me, again, hearkening back to what I view as the more authentic <laughs> strain of invoking the punk rock spirit, right? So. Um, you know, that was, uh, part of my ethos, part of like my DNA that always kept me going and reinventing and finding new ways to express myself in the world as an entrepreneur and as a creative. Uh, and, um, that was like the genesis for the book. It took about seven years to write kind of on and off. It was really like COVID where we were trapped inside where I was like, fuck it. And I was spend like six hours on, on, on the Saturdays and just dump like 6,000 words, you know, just light up a cigar, pour an Irish coffee and just bam, you know, and uh, finally got it finished. Took about a year and a half or so for the editing team to, uh, to shape it up and work with them. And I think it went from what was a really good manuscript to a great one through that process. Uh, it came out end of September last year. It's been a year. Sales are doing really well. I've been on like over 50 media podcasts, radio shows, TV shows, all that stuff. So keep still nice. doing tour, keeping that rolling and probably do some a paid speaking tour next year. So I'm talking to an agency about getting that started. And it's been cool because it touches so many spaces, right? Like here I am on punk rock libertarians, right? We're like, the book's not political. I mean, I'll, I'll quote everybody in there from Stephen Colbert to Ben Shapiro, right? But if you read under the read it, you'll you'll get a sense that I'm more libertarian oriented. I'm not like you guys. I'm not like I don't really know like all the libertarian like political party language. I heard you guys using this word like what was it based or something? I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm not like you know I'm not like some policy guy, right? No, you're just aging <laughs> yourself with that one. I like yeah. how based is now a policy term. <laughs> <laughs> There's like okay. a think tank, you know, based yeah. think tanks. There's uh, right. yeah, my, my classes at, at the at university and like based based you know like based economics, based <laughs> philosophy, based art, based music, I mean, based uh, mathematics. What is based? Right. Tell me what it means. I, I don't know what it means. <laughs> it means you're grounded, cool. Are grounded you in reality. Oh, yeah. it's like you're hard I it was, on. I thought it was like some specific libertarian, like you know, purity kind of test. I didn't know what the fuck. No, no, but no. It, it, if you're well, if you're kinda, grounded but... in reality, it means you understand that like the U.S. dollars crap. That the oh, U.S. Yeah. government is an imperial, um, you know, yeah. violent uh, force. You understand yeah. that you don't talk to cops. You're stacking yeah. Bitcoin. <laughs> you're right. You're like. <laughs> I'm hey, look at me. I'm not my. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you, we would have asked, "Are you cool?" Like in the past. But now yeah. it's like, are you bass, bro? Yeah, I love it. Now that I understand it, now, now I, now I love it. Well, the, and you know, yeah. ultimately, it, I mean, for next politics, book, put it in your either, next I like the uh, the designation uh, that like our friend Ernie Hancock uses. He says there's two kind of people: those that want to be left alone, and those that just won't leave them alone. Mm. Like, which one are you? You know, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, mind your business. Definitely, Karen's is yeah. essentially. About mind your business versus parents. I think we're all in the you know want to be left alone category. You damn right. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's it, man. That's it. You know, like 
what is it, Matt Kibbe with uh, just yeah. uh, don't um, don't hurt me and don't take my stuff or whatever, right? I mean, yep. that's what it comes down to, you know? Don't don't pick my pocket and, and don't break my bones, you know? Like, you do you, let me do me, and uh, let no side, you know, uh, galvanize the government to, to, to weaponize his ideology against against us right so you know try to keep it i mean it's i view it kind of like terrorism or crime like you're never going to get rid of the problem 100 the issue right like we live in a fucked up broken fallen world you know it's wabi-sabi you know it's perfect because it's a little fucked up um but what you can do hopefully is try to create forces to at least prevent some of the egregious scope creep of government or God forbid, even roll it back, even if you can't. We just try it. to, we just try to like enjoy the memes based based on it, right? Like we're not even, real, we're like, we don't even care. Like, <laughs> if we can so, make good jokes about it, the world crumbling. Like, I, I don't know what else we can do at this point. Yeah. You know, like, we've we've freed as many minds as we can. You know, we've we've saved as many asses as possible. You know, but now it's just time to like sit back and sort of in, in you know just just watch what happens. See. There is a little bit of that. I mean, I, I get that for sure. I mean, it's kind of the camp I'm in. Like, I always, you know, you think of that quote, like, um, politics is downstream from, from culture. But I think culture is also downstream from personal ethos. So I'm just going to focus on personal ethos, right? Like, just mind my business, optimize my life. I can't control all these conditions in the world. Can't control what the government's going to do or not do. But try to find my, you know, my my, my path within that. Still try to, like you know, bob and weave and optimize, you know? I mean, you clearly wrote this book for libertarians because as I'm looking, it's a near 500-page book. <laughs> right, and libert who has more experience with failure than libertarians? Well, I, mean, this is <laughs> I want to point out, like... What right, if anybody needs help managing their failure, it's libertarians. <laughs> most most self-help and business books that I've looked at are usually, like, between five and seven hours which is, you know, usually like 150 to 200 pages max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so this is a very cool. long yeah. business book. It is, you know, and I, I turn it in at 100,000 words thinking the editing team would chop it down to 80. Instead, they're like, no, this is really, really good. You need to add in all these places, thicken it up to 120,000 words. And, you know, wow. people think it's still <laughs> well and smooth. And um, I'll, I'll believe them. But, you know, any chapter can be read standalone to get something out of it so that's the cool thing about the book like you can snack on it you don't even have to read it end to end to get something out of it because there's like micro stories from chapter to chapter throughout so so you're gonna have to do a little selling for me on this because i'm i'm also noticing you've only got the hardcover option and that's 30 bucks i haven't paid 30 bucks for a book uh, in a long ass time i don't know where you're looking but I, Amazon. I got ebook, so, e paperback, hardcover, and the audiobook, man. All four of them there, bro. Really? Well, Amazon's got you screwed, bro. No, I they're just literally offer, they're offering Kindle that. and hardcover. No. Nope. I don't see anything else. It's on there. Paperback and ebook. Yep. Oh paperback, wow. 95 ebooks, like I don't know. I found them. They're not showing them on the main page, man. They're trying to trying to scam you. That ain't right. It's there though. It is I got there. an I got a, an Audible credit. I'm gonna have to go pick it up now. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Audible. It was uh, the the audio version was narrated by this guy uh, Jay Sang, who was uh, an actor on that show Twin Peaks on Showtime. He nice. also produced the uh, music video for Machine Gun Blues by Social Distortion. So of all the like people nice. like of like 
you know, was looking at uh, for this. He was the only one that had any sort of like life and urgency in his voice. And, you know, he's somewhat punk adjacent. So I chose him. He did a kick-ass job. So did you, uh, did you self-publish this or what? So I owned the rights and self-published, but I did it through a professional agency that is uh, staffed by all, you know, people that have worked in the book world for the big publishers forever. Like the chick that did the cover art, did, does all Stephen King's cover art. It's a company uh, that was founded by uh, Tucker Max, who wrote, I hope they serve beer in hell. Oh, really? Okay. Good, I'm familiar, I'm familiar with that company. Yeah. Yeah. Scribe. So they did David Goggins book, you know, David Goggins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did Can't Hurt Me. They did James Altucher, Choose Yourself, who's one of my favorite authors and podcasters. He was actually, his book was one of the ones that inspired me to write this book. They did Nassim Tlaib's book. That one, yeah. Nassim Tlaib, you know him? Lebanese yeah. uh, intellectual, uh, anti-fragile. So yeah. they know their shit and they did everything soup to nuts from building the website to the marketing plan, to the editing, right. iconography. It was, it was, they did a really kick-ass job and really set me up well. Hell yeah. But I still own the rights, which is great. Well, you just be oh, paid yeah. for your marketing department. And if you'd gone yeah. to the publisher, they don't know who you are, so they wouldn't have paid for that anyway. So you may not like a bandit. Good job. Did yeah, it the smart I, way. Yeah, I thought of it this way. It's like the music equivalent would be like, think of like a powerhouse in its heyday, like Victory Records. Like instead of them giving you a bunch of money, owning the rights to your art forever, and then you may or may not recruit, recoup, likely you never will. This is like the opposite. You give a company like that that knows their shit, you give them money, but you keep the rights and they still have the same professional application and marketing and uh, promotion of the book. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, what, where were we? We were saying something. <laughs> Sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. so I was saying, like, it's not overtly political, right? Like, I quote people across the spectrum because it's about the thesis of the book. And I like to listen to to thought across the political spectrum, like particularly on a topic that's not political, which really entrepreneurialism, overcoming failure and all that type of stuff shouldn't be political, you know? So it's definitely across the board, but, you know, there definitely are some like emphasis on those that I deem probably more aligned with how I think from like that libertarian more standpoint. So, I mean, even like Lemmy from Motorhead who called himself a a libertarian, like, from him to like John Stossel was in there and yeah, so didn't Billy Joe Armstrong and Fat Mike at one point too. So yeah, but come on, they're worlds apart. Let, let me fucking <laughs> right. Let me let me fucking yeah, don't put Lemmy in category with those guys. <laughs> let me, come on, let's not do that. Let's, uh, let's I'm not, I'm not let's just, mingle that, bro. Come on, come on. just say let's not start. <laughs> let's not start the uh, we can l- label ourselves libertarians. Like, I, I I feel weird. It's like I'm using it very nice. soft, very loosely, even with myself. Like I'm not. Yeah, I'm no capital L. I'm not, you know, doing any sort of like fun <laughs> fundraising anytime soon or anything like that. But. Not like Bab over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not against that. I'm just saying I'm fundraising, border, borderline status up there. What? Yeah, I, I'm the I'm the guy who's trying to do the fundraising <laughs> at this point. <laughs> trying to get I, that I money. Get, that, I technically get paid by a, like a presidential candidate, but that's you know whatever. Oh, uh, who's really? that? Oh, you do? Who's that? Oh, uh, Josh? No, kind of. Oh. No, you find I'd found him with money. Come on. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> what's he paying you? <laughs> I write emails. With. Oh yeah, that's right. You did tell. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We talked about that. I don't know if you want to drop hmm. his name on the live show. Oh, shit. Why? I don't know. 
You would have to have him on or something. Yeah. It'd be a well, we know we've had lots of political candidates come on and presidential nominees, and we've always we've ruined a few. <laughs> they come on they, our show. They, they, this is considered the graveyard of political candidates. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the ones that really suck. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wait, I, I thought we had a I thought we had a no political candidate rule. Yeah, I don't know. Forward. I kind of I'm kind of I'm I might be revoking that because I I kind of want to ruin some. You want to roast Rechtenwald and destroy it? I'm game with that. Let's do it. I already told Rechtenwald. I was like, <laughs> dude, you got to come on and talk to Bab. And uh, <laughs> so we got, might be it might be having come come. Why don't you get Chase? Then. Why don't you get Chase on here? <sighs> I can't. You know what? We'll see. We'll leave it a we'll see. Or we could get Josh I, on here. I told Josh he's welcome, but he said that our show used to be cool. Now it's not cool. So, <laughs> but didn't he say that I'm still cool though? He said, I, "Yeah." By the end did. of it, he said he you were all still cool. Yeah, it felt like a lie. Yeah, exactly. I've never well, wait. Cool. Wasn't somebody on the show leaking stuff to him? Private emails. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what was up that with that? <laughs> We could do all right. We'll save that for later. All right. (laughs) But anyway, no, Andrew, like I I, I really want like the like seeing like when you first messaged me about the book and stuff, it kind of hit home. It's almost like I'm I'm like real nervous to read the book completely like through through, which I really do want to read. Like I really want to get to like get the time around reading. It is a lot. But uh, like I know personally like failure is like one of my biggest fears. Um, Mm. I know like it's I can't fathom like losing my job or my kids or my wife or like it's it's something like it gives me anxiety even like thinking about. And so like yeah. it's something like, you know, something like this book, and even like the thought of it, like reading it kind of gives me anxiety a little bit. The other like, side's just... beautiful, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say that it's not, supposed to be, it's not supposed to be failure porn. It's not like I'm advocating oh, for no. failure, right? No. But it's like. If you're going to be living a very authentic life and for certain creatives or entrepreneurs or, or just certain people, right? Like that means you're probably going to be heading down more difficult paths where, where failure is going to be more prevalent. So you might as well get to know it, think about it ahead of time, figure out how you're going to metabolize it, leverage it, optimize it. And this is, this is a field manual for that. Right. So it's like, you know, yeah, it's pretty much trying to get over that fear and plan for it strategically and think about it uh, more objectively so that you're not, you know, paralyzed by the emotion of failure events when they strike. For sure. I'm sorry. It's kind of like, maybe perfect for me to read. Exactly. So I was like, I really want to get to, <laughs> you know, get to reading this, add, add it to my collection. For I'm sure. sorry. Amazon takes so much of a cut from your audible, but you just made a little coin. Nice. Thanks buddy. Thank, I appreciate it. <laughs> nice. It's really all about the volume at this point, man, just keeping the algorithms going. So it's recommended to other people. Well, now know? you've got the punk rock libertarian bump. So I expect Bam! you know your sales yeah. will just go crazy from here. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, there we go. He's got it right up on the screen. There you go. Kindle, buy- audiobook, yeah, hardcover, paperback. It. <laughs> it's already oh, trending. Yeah. <laughs> cover looks dope. Thank you. All right. It's going to look cool on your night the- on your nightstand, folks. You-, you got the pork pie. It's nice. Hell yeah. Just in time for Christmas. In fact, if you have somebody who has a lot of failure in their life, this could be the gift for them. <laughs> if you're listening to the show, chances are you do. <laughs> I mean, it, you're, not, you're not good at the show. Let's just say you're not are... making great decisions with your time. Well, I'm very happy to be spending time with other magnets for uh, failures and fuck ups because the. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, right my, here. My cocktail and my cigar. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> he's like, this should, this should sell me so many books. These guys, none of them look like they barely got jobs. As long as they can afford it, I'm set. Put a new wing on the house. Hitting a wide berth here. There's definitely more failures out there than successful people. So, yeah. That is true. <laughs> yeah, man, it, look, it looks great. Like, I'm, I'm really excited to read it and uh, give it a full full dedicated sit down and read, which I haven't been able to do. Like audiobook. I like, I, you know, I thought about audiobooks where I just like, I, I tend to zone out more than I do actually reading, which is weird. I have the same problem. Yeah. Me too. Okay. I can listen to podcasts like all day, but give me an audiobook and I just like immediately zone out and just have to yeah. keep like yeah. rewinding, rewinding, which is like way, way more like annoying exactly. than just like flipping back a page in a book. So, well, yeah, I'm going to read 104 books this year and there's no way I can do that if I was actually sitting and reading them. I'm not time for that shit. Is that ah. your challenge for yourself, Nikki? Uh, no, I set a goal every year. Last year, I hit 84. 104 books. That's two weeks. That's two books a week, dude. It's the, it's the first yeah. lady's reading that's initiative insane. program that, that he usually, that he participates in. Dude, and, and, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> Michelle Obama's. Or, where she like, challenges young people to, you know, to not be so illiterate. Got Andrew. I said, as long as it's not like Good Night Moon and uh, you know, <laughs> that's what I always still read to go every night to try to get him to go to bed in his PJs after he's had his nightly ass wipe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I did one year. I did. I tried to do a book a week, and I think I made it. I made it like three months or something like that. But it just got to be like way too much work. I've had to put podcasts on hold. I made a conscious decision to stop listening to podcasts for right mm. now. Except for ours, one, right? One, one day, one day a week, I listen to podcasts. I mean, if you're if you're reading like two, three hundred word books, it's a lot easier. But oh, yeah, no, once like you get over that, it's like it's fucking nuts. Look, I'm not quite going all the way to like man economy and state, but usually they're about like fourteen hour reads. Now, granted, I do listen to everything yeah. at like two and a half speed at this point. Really? Oh, dude, yeah, that's, that's, that's one way to do it for me. Now your brain adjusts, man. No, I listen to podcasts at. I listen to podcasts at like. I think one and a half or two, depending. Man, economy and state took me like a month just to listen to, <laughs> just for the audiobook of that. It's, it was just to get through the prologue. Brutal. Oh man! But it, I mean, it's it's all you know. It, it's good learning, but it's it's just the dedication. I don't think I, I don't think I read it front to back. I think I read sixty so, percent of it or something. So I'm I'm curious, uh, Andrew. Obviously, uh, and I, I, this is from a guy like Mike Gold. I'm working myself into marketing and stuff. Is people really don't respect and like they look negatively upon people that are in that world. Like they like to hype people making money and doing business and things like that. You know, you get the what's the word shill used a lot uh, when people talk about you. Is that something that you put up with or something that you haven't really? You mean like self-help world, like the negative optics? Of well, like, it's like, dude, you're just you're just selling false hope to people that aren't ever going to do anything, you know. Well, I think mine's more like an anti-self-help book in some ways, right? Like, 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 or like an anti-motivational. It is motivational, but it's motivational, like lodged, I think, in realism and, and dripped mm -hmm. in, right? Like, you know, I think of like Jocko Willink, right? The whole like four thirty-three a.m. waking up, and I love Jocko. He's tremendous. Met him the summer. Great dude. But like, me. you know, like doesn't no drink, doesn't smoke. Like I work out in the afternoon. I smoke like four cigars a day and I drink every single night. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I'm not pretending to be anything I ain't. And here's some things I've learned. Here's some successes I've had after some failures. 
here's how I navigated them, metabolized them. And, you know, I don't know it all. Obviously, nobody does. I'm not trying to claim to be a guru or anything like that. But there's some things I think I've learned. I put them together and people seem to think they have some value, right? So feedback I've gotten is that it doesn't feel like one of those inauthentic self-help books. Mm-hmm. It really is like, you know, the you know a touch of autobiography uh, with a whole lot of like case studies that kind of back up some of the lessons that I think I've learned. Nice. Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, there's so many of these like help self-help books. They've been around for forever and they just kind of regurgitate the same stuff, but yeah, I mean, from the sound of it, it I'm sounds like yours. What's I'm that? Of a, I'm of a mind that like not everyone sells to the same people. Like Oh no, know. yeah. Like an auto is going to trust dude a hell of a lot more than he's going to trust a Jocko Wilnick because he can look at him and kind of say, oh, I, I respect, I have, you know, pathos with this guy. And Well, it's also the authenticity too. If, yeah. if you know someone's being authentic and they're telling real life stories and then, you know, putting, you know, embedding uh, a lesson in that, that's a lot better than like some of these, which is like, you can just tell this just isn't real, right? This is just like stuff that you fantasized about and like, you know, now you have like a, a pyramid of pussy or, you know, <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you think there's any negatives like of someone th- having more uh, positive? Uh, well, ha- having, I guess, more hope and more positivity about what they can expect out of themselves. Like, is there any negative that can come from that? Of course there can. I mean, if it's if it's too unrealistic or if it's if it's pegged to like a future reality that doesn't map back to current practices and you're never mm-hmm. going to read it, right so i mean this book is not so so much about outcomes as it is about mindset uh and it's more about ways of being than it is about um you know benefits on the other side that are guaranteed right mm-hmm. and the process and the way of being that is the benefit right it, it's it, it's it, it's the journey it's not the outcome um obviously good outcomes are great whether they're material financial or uh, you know, accomplishments or what have you. But I mean, this, this really, I think the book was really more grounded in that, like, you know, realistic optimism, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever you're going through, whatever failure you're going through, most of them, you can pull some sort of value from it. Here's some, here's some example. Here's some stories about that. Here's some ways to potentially look at things differently that might help you uh, keep moving forward and keep growing in a way where you can really maximize your life. And, and maximize, you know, the application of your your unique talent talent stack in the world, and that's really what it's about. So it's it's not about becoming a millionaire. Maybe it's about becoming a thousandaire potentially, right, or a hundred thousandaire. Um, but it's not not about that either, right? It's about trying to align with what is your true calling journey. For some people, that me- might mean literally giving up a position of prestige of wealth to go pursue th- something that has more meaning. Right. And so it's, it's the idea of trying to marry money with meaning and the struggle to do that in, in this world. That, that's really probably one of the main threads of this is the struggle to marry money with meaning uh, and to find a way to use your unique skills in the world and not waste them. So you're not like on your deathbed with with regrets of what if I tried this? And if I you know, what if I what if I risk, risk you know, risk this or or. or went after this and you didn't do it because you're afraid. Right. So it's destroying future regret is a big theme in the book too. Do you have any fun name drops in the book out of curiosity? Uh, like people I wrote about. 
Uh, I would say, like, especially with your history with bands and stuff like that. I know when I read Dharma Punk's thing, it was called um, I was like, Noah Levine. Part of the fun of the book was, like, some of the stories he has of, like, all the bands that he used to be friends with when he was playing music and stuff. Um, I mean, I write about some of the bands I've worked with. Like, there's a whole chapter on the Coffin Cats based on some lyrics. Okay. Some song, uh, about burning the candle at both ends. Um, you know, other than that, I write, a, you know, John Joseph, obviously, I write about. I never worked with them him from label standpoint but obviously i've always looked up to him and um big part of like shaping me in my youth uh particularly in terms of like spiritual ideas uh, and that type of thing and pma um uh, other than that there was a soundtrack for the book Failure oh yeah soundtrack on spotify and apple music and um you know obviously there's some bands i worked with on there whether it's mad ball or blood for blood or fly for 56 oh, yeah. You know, Coffin Cats, bands like that. But no, I didn't really name drop too much. I mean, I talk about my time working at Relapse Records a little bit and and things like that. But Well, you, you say that's not name dropping, but it does. It's like it puts you in a space where like immediately like me and guy, me and Otto are like, ooh. I know. I know. I'm like, oh, wow. Cool. He's going to mention people I know. Like I'm fanboying. <laughs> our, little, our little celebrity bit. I know. Kind of I embarrassing, know. in fact. You know. I know. Yeah. That's what everyone said about me. I'm in James. My so. favorite band of all time is a no name band from Cleveland that released like one record, and I didn't even live here when they released it. So I, I will fanboy out about the no nameness of people. Who's yeah, that? I'd enjoy. Who, who's uh, the no name band? They were called Boats, B O A T Z Z. And we're talking about circa 0103. Wow. Never heard of them. They were, I mean, they, it was, they're like an indie band at like the peak of the indie craze. And yeah, it's just something about them that I loved. I can't hear I, every time I hear, think about Cleveland, the, the only thing I think of is One Life Crew, and that's it. <laughs> well, yeah, I One Life. Think, I think right to, to, to Tubby Fresh and John Locke, all that's it. That's the only thing I think of. <laughs> Kicking homeless people in the face. Yeah. Clevo style. <laughs> I mean, when I think Cleveland, I generally think Bone Thugs and Harmony, but that's their branding was way back. <laughs> dude. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. It's dude. I didn't think we'd be talking about one life crew tonight. But... I think Lockjaw was a comedian or something out West for a while. Something like that. Really? Yeah. Like maybe mid two thousands or something. Oh, that's hilarious. I got to find that. <laughs> yeah, I watched a video once and he was doing some bit on banging Sarah Palin or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they were ahead of their time, man. They were ahead for the MAGA craze. They were they were definitely ahead of their time. Yeah. Those Mixed guys. Oh, gangster rap aesthetic. <laughs> Otto, aren't you a, f- a fan of Sarah Palin? Uh, no, I'm not a fan of Sarah Palin. For the record, I'm pretty sure like I'm friends with friends of those guys. Really? They're awesome. still in Cleveland. They're still right by you, dude. Like I know we're there. I know. <laughs> we gotta talk. We maybe we could talk about this in the after hours. <laughs> but uh Andrew, man, I guess we're gonna wrap things up here. But uh thanks for coming on and, and uh really appreciate it. This has been awesome. Do you uh you wanna you know plug plug away, you know, where people can find you and check out the book? Yeah, man. Everybody go get the book, Failure Rules, The Five Rules of Failure for Entrepreneurs, Creatives, and Authentics. Get it anywhere. Books are sold online. You can find me at andrewthorpeking.com. No E in the end of Thorpe. Follow me on Instagram at the same, at andrewthorpeking. And, uh, yeah, go check it out. And, uh, yeah, that about wraps it up. 
Hell yeah. Well, it's we been can, a fun little. We can start the the Punk Rock Libertarians book club with me, and we'll talk about it. Hey, hey I'm good, week, that, that's pretty good. I mean, you, I'll only- do a challenge with you, Nick. I don't know about two a week though. That's insane. <laughs> you guys have fun. <laughs> 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 I'll be working on my one book a month, you know, like I've been, yeah, like I, mean, I did dude, one book like a month would be nice. like one a month. And that was like, uh, what economics one lesson. And that took me like almost a month and a half. Like, <laughs> cause I got, no see time. for me, for me, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would do it again. Cause like when I tried to do the one a week, it was like, it just became a chore and I just stopped enjoying reading. I was just like, all right, right. How, you know, I'm like checking the page count. I'm like, all right, I'm at 200 out of 300. Like, right, when is this going to be over? But part of my, part of my, like my business model is like reviews of independent authors. So, okay. Well, you know, it's already I, not I, fun because it's I work. To, I talk to independent <laughs> authors. So it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm finding people to like make money off of at the same time. Dude. Well, Nick, you've also been I've been I've been admiring your uh, your reviews of the horror movies for this this year. I've been I've been appreciating that. So why don't you tell people where they can find uh, find you, Nick P. I you can go to IronAgeMarketing.com if you're into learning how to sell things and make more money for yourself, or NickPacone.com, which I'm currently in the process of revamping to get all of my sweet movie reviews put up on there. Cool, cool. Hell yeah, man. Well, uh, thanks you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. We're going to uh, do our after hours podcast right after this. I don't know, Andrew, if you can stick around for a little bit for yeah, that. Uh, sure. Oh, yeah, cool. So we're going to record that uh, podcast right after this. But if you guys want to hear it, you guys got to sign up for our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. You get access to the podcast. We'll send you a link so you guys can chime in, ask questions and make fun of us if you please and do whatever you want. But uh, um, and if, if not, you can always check it out later. Uh, you get access to all of our hundreds of stupid podcasts we've done after hours and um so yeah check it out and if you guys don't like using patreon there's other ways to donate to the show at prlfans.com we also have t-shirts for sale over at libertariancountry.com if you use the code prl or prl podcast you get a 10 percent discount if you use the code prl2 you get a 20 percent discount if you spend 50 dollars or more which i know you will and that's about it so until next time live free or die. State is a good break with the blood that is shed. Stretching the flags on the tax bombs and red. Was it by a few at the expense of the many? Soldiers and gods and a death machine. You can't justify killing by economic gain. For God, country, and democracy. You can put freedom in death point in a fine land. You suffer the truth, then bring them home.